Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing Eastern and Western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. And uh, remember, this is a podcast and uh, we are uh, supported by and in part presented by VelHealth, VelHealth.com. Thank you for checking them out, downloading your VelHealth app today. We have Kim Hillard, recovery advocate, healthcare manager, longtime friend, good lady, very cool, um, doing really amazing things. Um, and I wanted her to share her journey with you today um, and, and, and share this, you know, healthcare, I mean, recovery advocate is something special. And not everyone can do that. We are seeing a lot more in the world of drug addiction and difficulty overcoming and, 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 and how it affects families. We've come through so many crises in that regard. Um, we're at the point where they're putting, um, you know, different drugs on the market that you can buy in stores to, to prevent overdosing. I mean, it's really a different time we're living in. But what we're not doing is looking at how families recover, how families deal, how how do we deal with, uh, you know, all of that. And she is firsthand witness to it. She is firsthand uh, someone who is dealing with it on a day to day basis. And I'm so happy that you can join us to talk about this very sensitive and very emotional subject. Thank you so much. Um always pleasure to be in your space mm, always you. and um yeah i'm kind of trying to figure out a way to articulate it yeah. to kind of take the edge off a little bit you yeah. know what i mean well, because it's so personal it's yeah. very personal well let, let's start let, let, before we go into that let's talk about your years of being in healthcare. Okay. Where, where did you start with that and and how does that picture look Tell us about that story. Yeah, so my health care, working in, in health care probably for 30 years, um, you and I know each other in that arena. And it's really around navigating health care for clients and families. Um, really tailored toward the geriatric community. Now I do it for all ages. Um, you know, the health care system is set up where it, it can be complicated for families. So navigating from start to finish on any healthcare situation. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of focus around long-term care planning and um, helping people navigate that journey. Mm -hmm. So really just healthcare management. Right, so to break it down, I remember I've referred you patients who are coming out of, or about to go into a surgery that's gonna, they're gonna need home health nurses yep. for care, rehabilitation. 
Um, some have insurances that work. Some don't have insurance. Yeah. I mean, that's where it gets complicated, obviously, is, is how that works and, and the needs of people. So that's one of many. And what about the transitioning into assisted living? Right. You know, uh, that's a whole other a ball of wax, so to speak. So, yeah, just to simplify, those are areas that I first met you in. Correct. And that families, when that's happening, or individuals who don't have family around, mm-hmm. they need you, and they they were so happy to have found you when they did. Right. So it's care coordination, health care transitioning from one place to another, and then transitioning every step of the process, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes things fall through the cracks. Right. So... You can bring me on board before, during. Which is better. Before is better. Before is the best, right? During or after. Mm -hmm. And I can navigate the whole process Mm -hmm. and connect the dots Mm because there's a lot of dots to connect, right? as you know. And so you do this independently. You used to do it for different, you know, facilities or organizations or companies, corporations. Um, so you've seen it from all angles. Yes. What made you go into it indivi- as an individual? Um, I wanted to be able to provide a fuller range of services. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to be able to tap into the behavioral health component of it. Mm. And so what I have seen is families with loved ones, especially in the geriatric community and with chronic illness, the fallout to the family is great. Okay, okay. And so I was able to kind of bridge that gap and provide that service while transitioning into more of the substance use, behavioral health, and mental health stuff that I do okay. now also. Gotcha. Yeah. And so let's talk about that transition and okay. what brought you there. Yeah, so um, that's... Uh, that's a transition that is basically lived experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I have a daughter who suffered from use disorder for about 10 years. And um, I went through that journey with her. And she actually um, died of fentanyl poisoning in November of 2020. And so that completely brought me to my knees and got me to a point of having to reevaluate everything in my life. And so after I was able to pick myself up from that, I wanted to really just become a advocate for change around stigma around all of it. And I wanted to be able to provide a service for families because that's an area where people do not know what to do mm. and where to go. What is the stigma? Because obviously, you know, I personally was involved with that time and I yeah. know how you dealt with it. And despite you, you know, obviously ha- us sharing emotional moments um, and the grief that I witnessed and you know, was was just there to co-experience with you in, at certain moments. You you dealt with it in a different way than I've seen most people deal with loss and, and of this magnitude. But I'm curious to know what the stigma is and how you view it to be different. Or okay, that so should be different. right, yeah. Um, the stigma is this: anytime you use a word like addiction mm-hmm. or drug addict. 
um, that immediately implies in many people's minds a character defect, a flaw, a, a moral or character failing. And I just don't say words like that. So yeah. I, use, I use phrases like use disorder. Right. I don't even say addiction, really, because um, a lot of families feel like it's their fault. How can this be happening to me? And that kind of um, causes people to stay silent and not get help. And so a lot of people are suffering in silence around all of this. Yeah. They're embarrassed. Yeah. There's a lot of shame involved for both sides. People with use disorder have shame, and families have shame around having a loved one with use disorder. So one of my things and what I try to do is advocate for people um, and get services for them, get resources for them. And it was an eye-opening experience for me when my daughter was in and out of jail and a judge would not court order her to treatment. And I had to hire an attorney to try to get court ordered treatment for her at her request. And she didn't have funds to get treatment. And so um, we finally got it done. But I mean, it was a long process. Mm -hmm. And so she was able to finally um, get into treatment. She got long-term treatment, six months. She actually stayed for seven. And she had two and a half years of sobriety after that. Mm -hmm. So I consider that a miracle. Right. And during that time, her and I started working on some of these things together. Right. And then she had a reuse situation that involved fentanyl poisoning, right. which is very common. Very, very has common. Has become very has common. Has become very, very I mean, very fentanyl common. has become a household where, where it used to be just a, a very rare, you yeah. never even heard of it until I think Michael Jackson was probably the first. It yeah. Was like a, a, a I, yeah. call. Uh, that made it sort of like, oh, what's that? And, you know, we had this superstar die uh, by by being administered by a doctor, by you know, which was was that propofol? Was, it? was that propofol or was that fentanyl? I think that was propof yeah. propofol, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. I think that was something a little bit different. What I'm talking about is the synthetic stuff that they're bringing in, okay, okay, and they're lacing. Um, drugs with it right to it's increase that it's cheaper and it increases the potency but it does a similar process where it makes you i mean it lo lowers your blood pressure and your heartbeat and all that. well it can definitely lead to respiratory depression right and it just takes like they're they're talking about the the size of a grain of salt is all it really wow. takes wow yeah it's an epidemic right now in our country yeah fentanyl poisoning yeah. and so so much so that now um one of the organizations that I donate time to is a recovery community organization called the Palm Beach County Hub. Yeah. And they, there's a lot of advocacy programs going on there and advocating for fentanyl test strips so that people can test products before they use them mm. to see if there's fentanyl in it. I'm talking about toxic levels. I'm not yeah. talking about the pharmaceutical grade here. Gotcha. Yeah. And, you know, one thing you said was you worked on it together with your yeah, daughter. Yeah. And one of the things I remember and found to be um, really special was that for years you went to AA meetings. And Al-Anon. And Al-Anon. Uh-huh. And uh, Even though you yourself were not, quote unquote, right. an addict. That's correct. Why did you do that? Education. Okay. Education. 
And but it, but you didn't do it for a few weeks. You did it for years. Years. Yeah. Years and years. So it's more, it's more than education. It, yeah, it really is. And also, I have multi generational stuff that that has happened in my family, and because of the don't talk, don't tell stuff, I didn't even realize how much of it had happened. So my daughter was actually not the first person. My daughter was one of many and many generations. But, you know, you just didn't talk about things like we do now. So I'm talking about it. Right. And I'm also not ashamed of it. Right. Um, I'm very proud of my daughter. Her name is Kara. And um, I have a dream of the Kara Lott Foundation where we will be able to help people get into treatment um, get scholarships for treatment, advocate for long-term treatment because insurance companies usually only pay for 30 days of treatment. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's just not enough, you know. So, And there's no help for people, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm watching people try to navigate this journey every day, and families are just crushed and crippled yeah. around it right. and have nowhere to turn. And so if you rely on the medical system or the insurance companies, you're going to be in for um, a rude awakening. Yeah, added added stress and added. Yeah, and no uh, services, no you know, services. available. Yeah. yeah. Um, with your difficulty and in, in obviously as a parent at one point before you did all this, right, you were, there was an initial stage. And... Um, you realize that you have this daughter that's suffering and dealing with this addiction yeah. and so forth and so on. Um, what? How did you first deal with it? Because that's the part that I think most people who are listening would be curious to hear about. Like, uh, you have this shock, you have this upheaval, you have this new thing in your life that is invaded and otherwise fairly normal existence yeah. and relationship. Yeah. What do you do first? I was so brokenhearted that I didn't know how to love my daughter. I was so brokenhearted that I did not know how to love my daughter. And so um, the programs that I got support in, you know, the ones that we've talked about already, Al-Anon, adult children programs, even AA programs, um, provided a level of support and helped me to realize that I had my own work to do around it. Mm-hmm. And so because of all of that, I can happily tell you that my daughter and I were able to heal everything that was misconceptions on my part and brokenness on both of our parts. Right because she had the shame of knowing how disappointing it was. And I had the shame of knowing how could this happen after everything that my daughter and I had been through. So all of that got healed. So that's the miracle of the story is I am, I consider myself fortunate because I got to experience the full circle of it Mm -hmm. because of the work that I did on the front end. But for those that are out there now that might be going through this, um, it can be debilitating yeah. for families. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's debilitating when your child is sick with a fever, much less yeah. 
you know exactly what we're talking about yeah. um now this is a hard question to ask but i'm going to ask it because it is there there's all these different percentages if you want to look at it there's the chance that a person you know goes off and does acid and is cured is talks about that now you know or not acid or lsd sorry acid's a little bit harsher but you know psychedelics let's call it mushrooms lsd there's that treatment there there is a protocol ayahuasca yeah something like that yeah huge huge movement for for drug addiction or or um dependency as we might call it or what have you then there's the traditional You know, you take this drug to counteract that drug, you go to your meetings, and hopefully, you know, you come out the other end. And then there's cold turkey, which is, I can do this, I'm mentally strong, I'm gonna replace it with other addictions, whether it's smoking cigarettes, drinking coffee, food, food sex. Everything. Everything, Shopping, anything everything, else. Everything, yeah. Everything and anything yeah. else. Compul- anything compulsive. Right, so there's all these different things. Yeah. Like, how how do you navigate that? And how did you navigate? How did your daughter navigate? Like, you know, what worked what worked best for her when it did work? And in the end, when nothing worked and you lost her, despite all that work, what do you say to that? Well, it's a big question, so here's what I'm gonna say about yeah. it. Um, use disorder also comes with co-occurring stuff. Right. And so what I can tell you is this, our journey together, my daughter had not only use disorder, but she had the secondary, which is the family side of the illness. And I have five things that I talk about a lot around the family side. Okay, okay. It's codependency, enmeshment, enabling, no boundaries and controlling behavior. All right, let's back up and say that again, but slower. (laughs) Slower. Because they're important. They are important. And these are five big things. Mm -hmm. Codependency. Right. Enabling, mm. enmeshment. That what's that one? Enmeshment is when we are unable to separate somebody else's feelings from our own. Okay. In All other right. words, if somebody we love is hurting, mm-hmm. it hurts us as deeply mm-hmm. as it hurts them. Mm-hmm. That's enmeshment. Okay. And um, then controlling behavior. Okay. Which comes from just feeling out of control. Thinking you're in control in the first place. Trying to just control something that's out of your control. That traps a lot of us. Right. And no boundaries. Right. No boundaries. So um, all of it has to be addressed. And so in the 12-step rooms, you'll often see people that start out in one program and realize they need to be in another. For example, they'll start out in AA They'll get sober on alcohol or drugs or whatever their primary is and realize they have the secondary family side of the illness. So they'll go over and get into an Al-Anon program where a lot of that stuff can be addressed. So, and it's a, it's a long process. Long-term sobriety is really measured at the five-year mark. Mm-hmm. And it's back-to-back sobriety. Anything less than five years, your early recovery. So that is the myth. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yes, yes. It, that's the myth. And so families think when their loved one goes into treatment for a 30-day program, they're going in and just like you go in for a car repair and you come out and it's fixed. Mm-hmm. That's the beginning 
of right, it. Right. And then it's a lifetime journey. Wow. And that's what gets people is the lifetime journey component. Yeah. And as you know, I've been on this journey for as long as you've known me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so when it works, that's the idea is that it has to work and then work and then work. <laughs> it's not like work and then it's done and fixed. Like you said, it's a, it's a work in progress and that becomes part of the life. It's a lifetime journey. Yeah. It's a lifetime journey. It's a lot it's, to accept. It is a lot to accept, but the lifetime journey, here's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. All of these things become my teacher. Okay. So as I'm going on my journey, as I'm going on my journey, all of these things don't happen to me, they happen for me. Right. And if you can get to that place, then you can embrace it. Getting to that place, that place of acceptance around it, to, yeah. to let it be used for your higher good, that's the, that's the spot that right. you want to be. Right. But you have to deal with the brokenness first. And now speaking to anyone out there that has lost a child, mm -hmm. despite the work they put in to help and the money they poured in and the time they poured in and whatever. Yeah. When it doesn't work, how do you, how do you reason with that? How do you deal with that? How do you accept it? How do you move on and where do you move on to? So the first thing I want to say about it is this. It's not whether it works or not. That's another myth that has to kind of be corrected. Mm -hmm. So whether somebody lives or not is not the measuring stick. Gotcha. Okay, the measuring stick is the journey. Mm -hmm. The measuring stick is the journey. Because we know that this is a vulnerable thing on this earth anyway. Yeah. Right. The, the grief journey has to, has to start. You know, the grief part comes first. Mm -hmm. And so the grief journey, everybody has a different grief journey. Right. And so um, that's the first step. Right. And I did that with the help of a whole team. Yeah. You know, remember. grief therapist. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. You were, yes, yeah. you do remember. Yeah. Um, and so that has to come first. Yeah. And then after that, kind of look for the higher purpose around it. Okay. Look for the higher purpose around it. And again, no. One of those higher purpose words that come to mind that I remember that you, you, you came to at times because you'd, you'd get there and then you'd go back and you'd get there Absolutely. was gratitude. You were grateful for the extra time you were given with your daughter during that whole area that you feel like was in, was, was in part the effort and the way that you went on that journey with her so you you looked at that as a plus rather than saying you know what she could have died a long time ago but i got all this extra time with her thank god yeah. well i appreciate you remembering that because mm -hmm. i'm i'm grateful that you reminded me about that part because here's another thing i'll say is i got to see kara evolve mm -hmm. and that evolution was one of the most beautiful things i had ever ever seen mm -hmm. And she accomplished, she got back everything that she lost. And that is such a beautiful thing to get to witness. And I was able to appreciate that versus still being broken around it. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of people look at the loss and go, they're going to lose everything. When really sometimes losing everything isn't the worst thing. Right, right. 
Yeah, and you find that with a lot of people who have come through really, um, really hard situations and ended up with, like yourself, in a place of triumph and victory and and and, and betterment, evolving, is that they say, you know, sometimes you need that or, you know, it's part of the process. You know, and everybody's journey. I don't journeys. know if you need it, but it's definitely yeah. it can be part of the process. <laughs> and the thing that's interesting around all of this, yeah. Ken, is that everybody's journey is individualized and different. Yeah. So there's no one size fits all. Right. So whether it's a family member now or a person looking to transition with care, uh, p- uh, pre or post surgery, significant surgery, um, whether it's a big back surgery or bilateral knee surgery, onwards to a family dealing with needing an advocate for um, a family member dealing with everything from Xanax, Ambien. You know, it doesn't have to be fentanyl or, or oxycodone. It could be these basic drugs that everybody is on every day yeah. that have now changed and altered their whole persona to the point where they need to get off it, but they need help. Yeah, and those can be your average everyday drugs like that. So, uh, how do they reach you? How do they connect with you? Can you share that information? Yeah. So the best way is through my email. Mm-hmm. It's my front door, five two seven two at gmail dot com. <laughs> All right. And that my front door and five two seven two is Kara's name. Okay. Five two seven two is Kara. Yeah. My front door five two seven two at gmail dot com. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, this has been Kim Hillard and uh, someone who is really open with us and shared her life journey, but also can probably hopefully be a part of yours if you need her. And I thank you for being here and being so open. And I love seeing you at this place in your life, coming through the clouds into the sun and light. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Well, this has been another Maximum Health. If you've missed any part of this inspiring show, um, and emotional at times, uh, there's, there's obviously the podcasts, which are available on all podcast formats. And we are brought in part by Vel Health, uh, velhealth.com, Wellness Within Reach, finally here. Uh, Download it today. Thank you for joining us. See you next time.